to a book that we're going to start here. We're going to start a study of a book in September. It's called Not a Fan. And uh, we wanted to encourage everyone to take advantage of our study of this book and uh, encourage you to join a small group during the week if you can. Yeah, this would be, you know, it's not something that's, that, uh, that's forever. I think, how many weeks is this, Pastor Corey? Six weeks. Um, not a fan is a six-week study. We're going to study it in our small groups during the week, but also we're going to preach about it from the, from the pulpit here every Sunday. So you're going you're gonna to get a thorough, let's say, um, uh, look at whatever that chapter, whatever that lesson is saying. So we want to encourage you. Please think about it. Please give some thought to uh, looking for a group. And, and if you, uh, on your connection card, matter of fact, uh, um, right in front of you, there's a connection card in the, in the holder in front of your pew. And um, uh, that, in that connection card, we're asking that everyone uh, fill one out to a certain degree. But at the same time on the back, there is a place there where they can, you can mark. How would you mark, have a marker, Pastor Corey? Just You can just uh, just give us your name, a contact number, and you can just say not a fan uh, group or something. If you would like to be notified or told about a group that's near you and where they meet, when they meet. And uh, uh, for the six weeks, you can, you can connect with that group whenever you can. And then after that time, who knows, you may like it so much you, wanna want, you may want to keep on going. So uh, please keep that in mind. We will start that in September. So give us some thought. Look at your calendar. And uh, we'll get into that. Uh, going back to the connection card, I'd like you to, to take some moments right now to fill out that connection card to give us as much information as you would like. On the back, you can communicate in different ways to us. Uh, but after you're done, just leave it on the pew, okay? So I hope you have a pen or a pencil not handy to do that. As you're doing that, I'm just going to make you aware. i just announced to you some of the things that are happening. Today is Jessica's baby shower. Jessica here? Okay, Jessica's baby shower is today. Um, also, we have a social and fellowship meeting uh, today in room two. And the harvesters uh, are going to have a speaker come, and he's going to talk about senior scams. Well, that's a lot going on on that, senior scams. So that's, uh, that's in your bulletin, so please keep that all in mind. Uh, also, know that this Saturday, as I've announced previously, is the memorial service for Gus Kawato. 11 o'clock here in the church this Saturday. It would be the memorial service for Gus. Okay? So you can look at those, um, those announcements at, at, your, at your leisure. Yeah, I'm a little, I, I get kind of a little bit excited at this time of year because, uh, well, for one thing, the Dodgers are doing incredible. Aren't they? Incredible. I mean, just incredible games the way they pull these things out, but also football season starting. That is, you may not get excited about that, but I do. Uh, okay, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel 30, and we're going to read a few verses about our text today. It's a pretty neat story. It's one that uh, I remember reading many, many years ago. And it always stuck with me on, how, on what, the, what this uh, story tells us in regards to not only uh, us as human beings, but also God's heart. So look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let me read the first four verses. 1 
Samuel chapter 30, uh, 1 through 4. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Malachites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Let's pray. Father, as we turn to the life of David, we understand how special a life this is when we see how much of your word is devoted to this man's life. We know he has so many flaws, but yet at the same time, Father, he is special to you because he, his heart was a heart for you. So help us to learn today. Help us to learn the lesson you have for each of us as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. I think we've all been there. We've all been there when life changes like that. Life can change so quick, there's nothing guaranteed for any of us. Um, that car that runs a red light, that news about your health or your kids, that uh, even that, that bill that comes through the mail that you didn't expect, and it's huge. You know, these things can kind of floor us. These things we can say are troubles or challenges in life. Jesus proclaimed that in the world we will face tribulation. We were, we're going to face trials and troubles. When we read in Matthew 5, he said that God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. In other words, what this verse is saying in chapter 5 of Matthew, every human being will face troubles in this world. The question we have today is how do we face our troubles? How do we as children of God, do we as children of God, the, 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 the new creatures by the, by the power of the creator of the universe, do we have an advantage when we face trials and troubles in our world? I hope you're sitting there saying, of course we do, and you're right. We do, and we're going to get into it a little bit today in detail. Because sometimes some people, they forget that the life with Christ is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment thing. It is a 24-7 relationship. It isn't like fire insurance, something that, 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 that when the occasion comes up, that's when you're going to use it. No. Christianity is not something that we just say, I'm thankful I got it because when I breathe my last, I know where I'm going to be. No, that's not what this is all about. In Ephesians 5.8, Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live, now this is a continuous tense, live as children of the light. So today, we're going to continue our story of, uh, on David, this flawed man, and, and, but he had a special heart for the Lord, and we're going to read about a particular uh, trial that he faced and realize this is all before David became king. And in our text today, realize that David is leading kind of a ragtag, makeshift army. 600 guys, disgruntled, 
they were kind of like outcasts from the system. And, and, and they all gathered under David, who was running from Saul, the, the, the king of Israel at that time. So let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to talk about seeking God in our trouble. I'm going to read for you verses 3 and 4 again, the verses we just read not too long ago. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters had taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. You know, David and his men established a base camp. They had a base camp where their families stayed there at this base camp while David and the men went off and did their raiding. This was a 600-man raiding party, and they were fighting against the Amalekites. But it seems that the Amalekites out-tricked them. That while David and the men were away, the Amalekites came to their camp, and they raided that camp, and they, they took all the people there captive. Now, the blessing is they didn't kill any of them. There were no bodies there at camp. So they, 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 they seized all the people there, women, children uh, of those 600 soldiers, and took them. But so when the soldiers come back, wow, then suddenly, suddenly what? Their life is turned upside down. Who in the world did this? How did this happen? What can we do? So look at verse 6. Verse 6 here. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. You know, at times like this, we stand alone. You ever stand alone? You ever, feel, ever face something that at that moment, it strikes you and you feel alone? You may be in a room full of people, but man, now it is, it is just you. And, and you sense that loneliness. And that's what David thought at this time. And immediately, what did he do? He turned to the Lord. But one thing I want to let you in on in this text. He turned to the Lord here, but if we read in the chapter before this, we realize that there are some major decisions that David made that he did not turn to the Lord. And the Lord was really upset with David. David made some, some promises. David made some alliances that he should not have done. And so realize that God works then and today in ways to get our attention. At times, he causes and allows things to happen that may not be pleasant to get our attention. And this is one of those times where the Amalekites came, captured, kidnapped all the family members, and what did it do? It definitely got their attention, right? But this time, David turns to the Lord, now, let me ask you this. You know, you can think of those, maybe those times. Maybe you're facing it right now where some of you might be facing something and you feel very alone about it. How natural is it for you to turn to the Lord? You know, and I, um, all, well, many of you know that I have three daughters and I, I went to China three times 
to pick up my kids three different times. And uh, let me share with you about this one time I picked up my youngest. I can say, talk very freely about them because none of them, they're all out of town. They went on a trip. All three of my girls out of town, they always warned me, don't you dare talk about me in service. You know, all, my, all their lives they've heard them, either I'm mentioning their names or talking about something that in their eyes it's embarrassing, okay? But I went to China to pick up my youngest daughter and I went alone because my wife was here while taking care of my other two kids that are in school. On our return journey back, we ended up in this tiny, tiny, tiny town that had an airport. And I was supposed to catch my flight out of this tiny town that was a connecting flight that was actually going to take me from this tiny town back to L.A. They take me, I get on this bus, I don't speak a word of Mandarin, and uh, I can barely get through English. And they take me on this little bus to this tiny little airport that has no lights. And this little bus stops, and, and then they, they tell me to get out, and I get out. And here's this, this kid, this, this baby that's 10 months old, strapped to my chest, okay? And no man in China carries a kid, you know? And I got this kid strapped to my chest, and I walk into this airport, and all it is is a room about this size. That's it, with a bunch of folding tables. And that's how you register for your flight. So I get in line with this kid strapped to my chest, and I'm standing there, and I, I've got this, this cart, this old rusty cart with my luggage, and then right before I get to the desk, I say, where's my, where's my fanny pack? I have my passport, my, 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 uh, my, my tickets. Where is it? And right at that moment, I was like pure, pure panic mode. And I just stepped back, and I said, and I just cried out in my heart, Lord, what's going on? you got to help me in this. Where is this? And in that very moment, I just got this picture. Go back to the bus. And I just left my baggage, and I just took off running into this dark parking lot, hoping the bus is still there. I'm running around in this dark parking lot looking for this tiny bus. It was one of these mini buses. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, it has to be here, it has to be. And I finally find it, but there's no lights on inside. The driver's gone. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's locked. And so I'm pushing on the door, and it opens up. Oh, my gosh, I get in there, and I get to my seat, and there it is. My fanny pack's on the seat. So I grab it, I strip it on, and I'm running back to the airport. I'm thinking, oh, no, my baggage. Maybe my baggage is gone. I get back there, and there's a cart filled with my baggage on it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I get on the plane to go to L.A., right? And they have these little, funny little things where you put this, these infants into, okay? It's like a child carrier, carrying thing. Tight. That kid just really fit into that thing. And I put her in there, two or three in the morning, she, must, she did the biggest poop in the whole world. Oh, gosh, people are waking up. Because of you know what? You know, you think David has problems here. Man, oh man. But what I'm trying to share this with you, because I think, it's, I think it's important for us as Christians to realize that one of the things God wants us to develop with him is that relationship where we do turn to him like that. Like when you're a child and you hurt yourself, you burn your finger, you cut your finger, you're running to your you're running to your mom or dad. And that, in many ways, is the type of relationship God wants from us. He wants us to 
instantly cry out to him. You know, what comes to your mind? Lord, what's going on? Lord, help me. In other words, plug in to that source of help. In Psalm 18.6, David wrote these words. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. Trouble. We're all going to face it. Strengthen your relationship with God in such a way that you're going to have what we call spiritual reflexes. You're going to turn to the Lord and you're going to say, Lord, help me. And count on him to do so. Let's continue. Let's talk about finding strength and confidence to go forward. Look at verses 7 and 8 in our text today. 1 Samuel 30, 7 and 8. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, waiting party. Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. See, not only did David find strength earlier, but as he continued on in seeking God's help, he didn't just say, Lord, help me. He sought God's help, God's direction. What do I do now? Is this army too big for us to even consider going after the, our, our loved ones? And, and God gave him insight. God gave him guidance. He gave him direction. How does God do that? Have you experienced God giving you guidance and direction in these days? See, it's the same God back as David's time and as it is today. God doesn't change. He's the same God. Let's, let's think about this a little bit. Certainly God can, can convict our hearts. God can give us peace. That, that goes beyond human understanding, which gives us that, that, that confidence to step forward in things. God's word, his Bible, his word is his will. So the better you know the Bible, you understand God's will and through his principles and the truths that are taught there. But there are other ways too. So many ways. Let me just touch upon a few of them. The first one is one that many times we don't think about. We read about it in Ecclesiastes 11.3. This verse sound, may sound weird to you, but I'll explain it. It says, Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. You know, you ever been in a situation that is so, uh, so contrary to how you want things to go, that you actually read into the situation, you actually read into the, into the choices you might have, and it may not be realistic? You're, you're thinking that you can do this, but when you really, the, real, the reality of the situation is you shouldn't. What this is talking about, this is, this is talking about there are things in, in life, things in your life and situation that you have the best way to step, go forward is to understand and accept what those realities are. God's word says, you know, whether the tree falls to the south or north, in the place where it falls, that's where it is. In other words, this is it, man. This is your situation. Face it realistically, clearly, and then you can start to go forward. This is not saying that God can't or God won't change things down the road, but 
your next step has to consider your reality. This is it. This is the way it is. That's, a, that's just godly wisdom right there. That's a principle. Let's go on. Proverbs 18.24. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I thought about this. And think about it. Sometimes you have to make some really big-ticket decisions. And one of the things that the God's Word says is there's a safety in the counsel of many. So I remember that when I really felt convicted that my wife and I should become missionaries in South America, I individually met. I met with these, these individual guys that I knew at the time, and, and I asked them, what do you think? You know me. You know my situation. I'm sharing with you what my heart is saying to me. You know, should I go forward to, to, to be a missionary in South America? And it's interesting, these three guys who are really spiritual guys, one's a pastor who, who had a great ministry, and I'm sitting there, and each one of them said the same crazy stuff. All they did is spend time talking about, well, if you do that, this is what you're leaving behind. If you do that, you know, you, 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 you know you, all the stuff that you've done so far is not going to continue on. And each one of them said the same thing. Stay where you're at. Serve the Lord where you're at. Don't go. I went back to my wife. I said, come on, Amy, let's pray about this. And we prayed about it, and the Lord just gave us a, just an overwhelming, get on that plane. Get going. And so I learned something from that. There are some times when you can hear a lot of different voices, and you know, there is a lot of wisdom in hearing other opinions. But sometimes, sometimes you just have to run with it. Sometimes you and your best friend, like your, your spouse or, or your, your, your sister, your brother, someone you trust, you got to sit down and say, okay, just you and I, what do you, what do you think God's saying? And then you got to go for it. It's that willingness to move forward. It's God's assurance through you saying, okay, I'm willing to bite the bullet. See, David had to bite the bullet. David had to be the one that said, okay, guys, we're going to go. Now, there could have been 2,000 men out there waiting for him. There could have been a, it could have been a terrible massacre, but David made that decision. I am trusting the Lord. You are trusting in me. Let's go. Sometimes it boils down to that. Sometimes. That's a heavy one, because sometimes we can get in trouble, but that's where your walk goes into play. Anytime we're dealing with God's will, so much of it depends on how God has worked in your life thus far. And you guys who know that, who have walked with the Lord, you know how God has worked in your life, you, you understand you know, when God is giving you the green light and the red light, and sometimes when you can't, you've got to go outside and you've got to really seek it. But God will honor your seeking always. It's just like the song we sang. It talked about waiting on the Lord. A lot of times we want our answer right now because that's our society and we're conditioned to want that answer immediately. But we know that if we keep seeking the Lord, he will make it clear to us. So God's timing is so important too. So I just leave that with you. But those, these are ways in we're finding strength, but also we find confidence in the Lord to go forward. Now let's go on. Let's talk about giving God the full glory for what he's done. 
Let's go on to the story of David. Let's look at 1 Samuel 30, verses 9 through 11. David and the 600 men who were, were with him came to Besor Ravine, where some stayed behind. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine, but David and 400 men continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. Well, this Egyptian became a key source of giving them information. But the key point in this is when we look at this, is that after pursuing the Amalekites, and you try to picture this, 600 men, they're pursuing the trail of the Amalekites who have taken their family members. And, and they're, they're, they're trying to make time and catch up with them. But they get to this ravine, and 200 of the 600 are just saying, I can't go any farther. I just can't. I'm, I'm exhausted. I just can't go. I'd be useless on the battlefield. And David makes that crucial decision. Okay, you 200 stay here. We're going on. So he takes a smaller group. He takes 400 to go after these Amalekites. But what happened? The Lord promised victory, right? Did the Lord know those 200 to get, get exhausted? Of course he did. And so but God said, yeah, go, David. I'm going to give you the victory. So David pushed those 400 forward, and they caught up with these Amalekites, and they went into battle, and they defeated them. And when they defeated them, not only did they find all their loved ones, all their family members, their wives, and their children, but they also found this plunder. The Amalekites' raiding party was, was plundering all the little towns around there, and they had accumulated this great amount of wealth there that was in this camp. And so David and his men return to the 200 that are camped and resting with not only all the family members, but this huge amount of, of plunder, this huge amount of treasures that they brought back with them. Now, let's look at verse 22 to 24. What happened about this? But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, because they did not go with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. David replied, No, my brothers, you must not do this with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and handed over to us the forces that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the men who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to battle. All will share alike. I want you to think about your life. Think about a time when you were really up against the wall. You were really in a corner. You were really at that crisis time, and you may have cried out to the Lord. You may have just, you had no idea what was going to happen. And what happened? The Lord pulled you out of it. The Lord blessed you. The Lord provided you with what you needed. The Lord protected you. The Lord led you in the right way. The Lord did it. Now, when the crisis is all over, when the trouble is no longer visible, when the need is behind us, how grateful are we 
to God. That's what this is all about. David reminded the men who fought that was God who gave the victory. It wasn't your swords. It wasn't your courage. It was God who gave the victory. And because the victory is God's, we're going to have a heart of gratitude and we are going to share this plunder with everyone because really it's not our plunder. It's God's. He won the victory. He restored your loved ones. It wasn't you. That was telling those men. You know, years ago, how long have we been here? We moved here in the year 2000. Here it is in the year 2017. We've been here 17 years. Probably about six years ago, six, seven years ago, we had a mortgage that was outstanding. Our balance was, was working down, but we still had a, a decent mortgage on this property. A gentleman came up to me in the church, and he just simply said to me, I want to meet with you. Please come to my house for lunch. So I went. I didn't know what he was going to say. He looks at me and says, I want to pay off the mortgage of the church. Wow. And so we, in a very clear way, start talking about how this can happen. And he said, you know what? I don't, the bottom line is, I don't want any pats on the back or thank yous about this. I'm doing this for the Lord. Because the Lord has been so good to me. I said, okay. And to this day, you don't know who he is. To this day, you don't. But he supplied the funds to pay off the balance of the mortgage that year. Amazing. See, that's, that's the spirit that when the Bible talks about for us to give liberally and cheerfully, that's the spirit. It comes from that. It comes from understanding. Yeah, it is the Lord's. Yeah, the Lord has blessed me. Yeah, I am a child of the Lord, and I'm so thankful I am. And it's out of that heart of gratitude that we want to see his kingdom advance. And that's what David learned here. Realize that David wasn't king here, right? He was still running from Saul. He wasn't king. But this is a learning time. This was a learning time for David, and God continued to prepare David to do what? Sit on the throne. Just like God continues to prepare you to be more and more like Jesus, be more and more like Christ. You want to keep moving forward. You want to keep learning. Don't allow this to just bounce off of you, but grab on to some lesson you've learned today and allow it to be part of your life because that's God's intention for you to keep moving forward in your faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the life of David. It's such a rich life when we think of the lessons that he learned and how they are passed on to us. There's your church really through the generations. So, Father, thank you. Allow us to leave with your lesson for us, whatever that might be. We're all different. We're all in different places. Help us to grab onto that truth that you prepared for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.